0: Yeah, and I've heard of uh, searching for sugar man, but if they made a documentary about Trevor, I'd be searching for a better movie (laughs) What? Welcome, everyone, to episode 30 of Ghost Party Radio, an in-depth and very serious exploration into the world of genre film hosted by two small-time cowards. I'm your host, Adam Cervantes-Wagner, and allow me to introduce my co-host, Creep Lice Thing. It's Trevor Dillon.
1: Uh, I thought you were going to say Creep Williams, like a, a pun on Treat Williams.
0: Oh, there's, there's too many creep puns in this movie, Trevor.
1: You know what? And I want to say right up top on this Deep Rising episode, there will be no slander of Sir Treat Williams, who we were talking about when we off mic before this.
0: Right. Legendary Star Wars actor, Treat.
1: <laughs> we were we are having a conversation with our guest, who we will introduce momentarily, about who Treat Williams plays in Empire Strikes Back, because on his letterbox, that's the number one movie that comes up, and we determined it was just uh, one of the dudes at the snow base on Hoth.
0: <laughs> um, yeah, but let's get right into it. Uh, much like treated the uh, ship. Uh, <laughs> <laughs>
1: Sorry, Sterling. This is what you're in for, man.
2: <laughs> I'm I, I I am ready for this cruise. This is going to be
0: great. What's that sound? Yes, it's the wonderful sound of our guest. He is the operations and programming director of Horrible Imaginings Film Festival. It is Sterling Anno, Sterling, how are you doing?
2: I'm doing fantastic on this lovely, currently Wednesday early afternoon, uh, with you fine, gentle fellows,
0: Sterling. We don't like to give away when we're recording. That's kind of a big
2: secret. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. That's not
1: that's not true. We actually complain all the time on the show if we're recording prior to like two p.m. in the afternoon. Uh, Adam is not fully awake yet. <laughs>
2: I mean uh, sometimes that 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 makes you some of the best uh, unnatural comedy it's great
1: unnatural comedy is Adam's middle name <laughs> 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 Um so I, I just want to uh, – Adam, is it cool if I just go ahead and take over and uh, host the show now? <laughs>
0: wow, well, that was fast. <laughs>
1: no, 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 we'll go back and forth. Uh, Sterling, we're going to put you through the ringer here with some questions up top um, that okay. I just so happened to have sent you prior to the show. But um, yes. this is a genre podcast, as you know. Uh, we mm-hmm. go through genre by genre. and I, I just want to know, if you had to pick one genre, what would be your favorite genre of cinema?
2: Oh, are you ready? <laughs> so um... – obviously i am a lover of the vast majority but if i had to pick one i would easily actually settle on nonfiction. i am a huge documentary fan
0: oh excellent uh what are what uh, this is kind of a weird question for a documentary but what makes a good documentary
2: um uh, that is a amazing question especially for that genre in my opinion what makes a great documentary is heart And it's sometimes uh, tough to locate what that exactly means. Um, Mm -hmm. I love documentaries that try to not filter out the reality behind kind of a faux production design. I want to see the real life story they're telling. Content is king when it comes to documentaries. And and my favorite are the very lesser known stories um, of someone otherwise maybe not considered a world-changing focus. The mm-hmm. little story of the person down the block who actually was very integral to the creation of giant systems you use every day, but is now probably downtrodden. Uh, the stories of people who um, definitely have something to say, but no one will listen. I, I, I love these, these tales of real humanity. Mm-hmm. Um, a, a personal example that I would always push is um, um, a buddy of mine, Chris Metzler, in the film festival circuit, directed a fantastic film, uh, Plagues and Pleasures on the Salton Sea, alongside Jeff Springer, uh, which was uh, one of the first successful, at least, documentaries on the Salton Sea Slab City region of uh, SoCal uh, that, w- that that was wonderfully narrated by John Waters that explains the um, um, eccentricities just- of the area, but also the value that such wonderful free souls give to a place that's otherwise branded as a gross post-apocalyptic landscape. It, it breathes mm-hmm. life into stuff that you otherwise don't uh, rightfully sometimes give attention to. And um, the, this extends further to films like Exit Through the Gift Shop that are still forms of contention of, is is this a real film? Is this the whole thing a narrative prank?
0: <laughs> um, I actually have a story about that Salton Sea documentary I uh, oh. I have a friend of mine who has a lake house He invited a bunch of us up there And uh, his dad was up there as well And I went a day later But apparently the night before I got there um, Their dad put on that documentary And was like absolutely enchanted by it Because he lived in that area So he was like pointing out like This is what it's like Oh
2: my gosh, this is so cool It's like capturing a part of my childhood That is amazing. See, like, that's the kind of touching um, resonance that I love stories like this to really give people because Mm -hmm. uh, documentaries now are either the most watched or the least understood. Mm -hmm. And um, I think, you know, like, yes, I've binged Cosmos. Yes, I considered adopting Disney Plus because of National Geo. (laughs) But, I mean, I love these little hole-in-the-wall films that kind of became even harder to find after the documentary channel became pivot and, 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 and lost what it uh, once was. And Uh these are just the kind of uh, amazing films now that are kind of in the backlog of Amazon, (laughs) you know, to to be stumbled across. And when you find one that really hits, whether it's another state of mind about the origins of social D going on tour with, with a youth brigade up the West coast or the East, or if it's, um, uh, going to be just a weird little hole in the wall film about, uh, let's say I'm just looking out at my wall right now, but, Oh, look at that. Um, you have, you have Ramones raw, you know, just one of the only films to ever feature an entire segment of the entire original, um, Ramones lineup, just hang out in a, in a, in a bistro, just talking. Without right. any real guidance, you know, stuff like that, that you can't recreate. You can't, it's, whether or not it was a mistake, it's magic. That's all that matters.
0: Yeah, that's right. Uh, anyway, um, <laughs> Sterling, what, you know, we're talking about the genre of creature feature here in this season yes. of Ghost Party Radio. What uh, What is your history with this genre?
2: So, when it comes to creature features, my history is pretty Solid, I would say. Um, I've been watching Godzilla movies since I was five. And mm-hmm. I uh, was gifted the Godzilla compendium book, which is now, like, really sought after, when I was, like, I think I was eight. And it was my guide to making sure I watched the entire Showa lineup as quick as possible, because I didn't know really how many there were at that time. Mm-hmm. And um, I eventually saw... Um, uh, terror of Mechagodzilla was the last one I saw when I was 10. So I got through all of them and um, it, it was Godzilla is my hero. It's <laughs> my hero. And, and basically if anyone ever, ever asked me like, who's your favorite superhero? Who is the, who's the one entity you go to for personal saviorness? Yeah, not a word, but now it is. Um, and that would be Godzilla only because my version of Godzilla is the hero. It's the one who comes to fight the, 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 the giant kaiju douche that comes and starts destroying everything. <laughs> right. And, um, you know, the Versus series came and really branded him an ultimate villain again, even against King Ghidorah, which was just jarring, even though that movie's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, uh, uh, Showazilla will always be my go-to and um, Legendary really um, helped resonate him as a, you know, a a, a hero force really? uh, for the most part once again. And I, I really thank them for going down that route.
0: Yeah, show uh When they see Trevor, they say, put away a...
2: <laughs> All right, listen,
1: listen, listen. This is not how this show's going to go. Uh, Sterling, I'm actually really um, tickled by the fact that we brought you on for Creature Features, knowing that you're a, a fan of kaiju films and Creature Features, and then you dropped documentary on us. I I, I, I that you really uh, took a left turn there. I'm really happy to um, hear that. I, I was going to say, kind of backtracking to documentary. Something that's really popular right now is finding basically someone who's like uber famous, like Michael Jordan or someone and really mm-hmm. kind of only documenting a very specific like year or two of their life. Uh, for some reason I like, I mean, obviously the name of the game in a documentary is like how niche it is. You, you dropped some pretty niche um, subjects on us, but I love taking someone who's so, so, so famous and not attempting to make this, like, eight-hour documentary about them, but really just telling a story of what their life was like for those two very specific years. I, I don't know why, but th- those really speak to me, uh, lately especially.
2: Yeah, I mean, um, look, I mean, I know exactly what what you mean. It's kind of like the exact opposite of what they did with uh, O.J. Made in America. Right. Which, by the way, was fantastic, because it's essentially... Uh, uh, Three documentaries, completely different films. You have right. a sports documentary and then uh, a general drama documentary, and then a, a true crime film, all making one, you know, cohesive piece, which is absolutely stunning. But yeah, like look at films like uh, I'll, I'll throw a, a one that everyone by now has seen, primarily because of the filmmaker behind it, but Grizzly Man. Right. Um, Timothy Treadwell's story was vast but it's only those last two years that are on documentation from his appearance on late night TV to um, what we saw um, is essentially his legacy. And it is an invaluable story, regardless of what you take from it. The, 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 the reminder of humanity's purpose within this actual You know quote unquote animal kingdom this food chain you know yeah we're on top because we've invented things and that's about it um so uh yeah i i i agree i i love those stories that are just um huge larger than the life person but let's just focus on this this one aspect for now right because it's not been talked about enough we we've heard about the music career but what about the fact that they were giving money to this charity randomly? You know, so, something, you know, very um, very on-brand, but very off-topic in most cases for, for for the majority of perspective given.
0: Mm-hmm. And sort of speaking of that realism, uh, Sterling, mm-hmm. you know, creatures like to eat. Uh, what's your favorite movie snack?
2: Ooh, he hit oh, him with wow. the tough question. Ooh, man. So... Okay, um, right now, um, I can say right now, what what came to mind first is that I actually have a movie-making snack. Oh. Um. So when I'm editing, I need to have goldfish. It's the weirdest thing. Oh, that's, I need, great.
1: that's great. Uh, that's a great pick.
2: Yeah, I need goldfish. And um, <laughs> I don't know if it's because I feel carnivorous, even though I'm not in that moment, or if it's because it just gives me that enough of that childhood spark to, like, realize, like, I know why I still love doing everything that I do, you know, (laughs) or something. But um, that's my go-to for that, and that's the first thing that will always pop up. If it's an actual, like, watch movie snack, um, for some reason, I really enjoy um, dried seaweed snack. Adam, Um, do you like
0: seaweed? I love seaweed.
1: Yeah, you seem like someone who would really like seaweed.
0: Yeah, because of uh, 420 what no no i'm saying
1: you seem like someone who would go to like a japanese market somewhere in orange we live in orange county uh and pick up some seaweed i don't know why you just strike me as that
0: how dare you what no you just admitted you like seaweed so i'm Uh right well good choices sterling i'm sorry about my co-host uh yeah anyway speaking of seaweed uh let's get into the fantastic movie that you uh picked for us here sterling it is sure uh deep rising trevor do you have the skinny on this movie
1: Yeah, so Deep Rising from 1998, directed by Sir Stephen Sommers. I don't know if he's been knighted or not. I just thought that Sir would be good in front. Anyway, we have the tagline, full scream ahead. That's a great tagline. (laughs) Um, And this is a movie about a group of heavily armed hijackers who board a luxury ocean liner in the South Pacific Ocean to loot it, only to do battle with a series of large-sized, tentacled, man-eating sea creatures who have taken over the ship first. This movie stars, as we've mentioned, Treat Williams, Famke Kajansen, who I know we'll talk about quite a bit, Anthony Heald, Kevin J. O'Connor, uh, a bunch, you know, uh, Digimon Hansu, uh, a really big uh, supporting cast here in this movie that I uh, didn't know. Listen, Sterling, yeah. I had never seen this movie. Adam, oh, have wow. you seen this movie before?
0: I have not even heard of it.
1: Interesting. Yeah, so I have some friends, uh, uh, past guests of the show, you Yunus, who uh, always mm-hmm. talk about it, um, claim to really like it. Um, Walk us through your process and your history with this movie. Why did you choose it, and uh, when did you first see it?
2: So I first saw this movie when I was, I want to say, 16. And uh, it was playing on uh, one of those, like, movieplex-type channels. And I walked into this movie the first time halfway through. So I didn't have the context at first of how these... um, Mercenaries got on board this really nice, lavish ship, or what was once that. Um, And uh, by the time that I got to the end, what really made me super interested in this film was the fact that actor Kevin O'Connor lives. Spoiler yes.
1: Yeah, we can get the spoilers.
2: Sure, but... That was just what that never happens, even in something like "There Will Be Blood." No, this doesn't happen. So um, it it was just something really interesting. But I remember the uh, the effects being so charming. Yeah, it it was very much um, asylum level effects at times, but in, in in a film that is so competent and so. Good. I mean, I, um, everything from every shot placement mm. to to every plot beat was just interesting and entertaining and was delivering what I wanted, even though I didn't know what the hell was really going on other than catching glimpses of what they're trying to do mid-Scream dialogue. And um, I eventually sought it out later on at a R.I.P. Suncoast video, if you guys remember that. <laughs> yeah. And um purchased it, rewatched the whole thing, and then uh I, I loved it more the second time is because it's one of those movies that's like, yeah, it's is this a masterpiece? I don't know. Is this a uh really, really well done film that keeps you entertained the entire time? In my opinion, yes. I think it's phenomenal for what it is. And uh I'm just I- I'm a big fan of uh Treat Williams. I just think what he does is great. Um and, uh, you know, big shout out to, to, to Dead Heat. No one's seen that. But um, yeah. I, I, I I just think that this is a solid film for, um, especially for kind of its awkward time, you know? Yeah. It's right on the cusp of when films were either making or breaking their effects. And this is like, you know, but I love it.
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, it it was really a solid cast, and uh, it's cool to see Kevin J O'Connor, which I didn't recognize at first. I had to like wait for his voice to kick in, and I was like, "Oh, this is there will be blood guy. That's awesome." It's uh, little
2: bunny
1: buddy. <laughs> well, most people would know Kevin J O'Connor from the Steven Summers movie that came out the next year, The Mummy. He's yes. kind of like he's kind of like the squirmy guy in the Mummy, um, who's I believe also kind of like the comedic relief in that film. Um, To give this movie a little bit of context, it is directed by Steven Summers, like I mentioned. Uh, He's mostly known for The Mummy and Mummy Returns. He also did the G.I. Joe, Rise of the Cobra movie. Um, I had no idea he had made this. He actually is the director of a movie that I cite often as my least favorite movie of all time, Van Helsing. Um, (laughs) I, I just can't stand that movie for taking such an awesome concept like someone who fights the universal monster movies and just really in my opinion squandering it it (laughs) yeah yeah really really you know really hitting the the heights of what that story should be no um hugh jackman's fine in that movie and all that but the movie is just a cgi disaster anyways steven we we are
2: in solidarity on that opinion by the way
1: okay good because you were a little silent there and i was like oh no sterling loves van helsing no oh no you're just
2: you're just giving me a flashbacks to that film in general so thanks
1: Yeah, no, I mean, like even like the GI Joe movie was like this is what it's supposed to be. The Mummy movies, even Mummy Returns. I mean, I I know the Mummies having a huge comeback right now. People really retroactively love that movie, and I know when it came out, it was a big hit and pretty popular. But
2: well, again, there's a there's a viral meme right now about the Mummy. If you've seen it,
1: yeah, that it like awake, it like (laughs) awoken, sorry, awoken, it awoken (laughs) um, everyone's bisexuality basically, (laughs)
2: like that. And the fact that there's a simple bumper sticker meme going around all the social networks saying, "Honk" if you would rather be watching the 1999 masterpiece, The Mummy, starring Brendan Fraser and Rachel Weitz.
1: Right. There's a little <laughs> bit of like, it, it's like almost kind of irony to it. But also people are like, no, no, no. I really love Brendan Fraser and Rachel Weitz and Kevin J. O'Connor. And I love that movie. And it's like, I need to really revisit it. I actually want to play it as potentially a, an outdoor screening this summer. Uh, Adam, uh, we'll do it in the middle of downtown Santa Ana. What do you think?
0: Yeah, why not? And also, we can uh, watch uh, the Dragon King.
1: <laughs> oh, hey, I saw the Dragon King in theaters. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Uh, but I don't. I don't believe Steven Summers directed that movie. Maybe he did, though. I don't know. Um, but anyways, he 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 definitely feels like a journeyman director. And I don't have much context for this other than it came out the year after Titanic. So we can look at it through that lens. But um, basically, Sterling, what we do right now is that we just kind of talk about the movie, it does not have to be in order, just kind of oh. random thoughts about the movie. So, Adam, let's start with you. What's your very first thing that you want to say about this film from 1998 called Deep Rising?
0: Um, ooh, well, Trevor, what, what do you think my opinion of this is going to be? <laughs>
1: It's tough. So uh, sorry, Sterling. We're gonna get a little meta on the show here real quick. It's tough okay. because you've hit me a couple of times with some left hands when I've been like expecting that right jab. Yeah, I don't know where you're gonna go with this movie, but it's gonna be either it's the worst movie we've watched on the show so far, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> or it's actually kind of charming and good. Like those are gonna be one of your two opinions.
0: Yeah, uh, I was. <laughs> this movie ruled, I think. Good. Oh, no. uh, I thought it was charming and good. Uh, I thought, as Sterling was kind of mentioning, uh, I thought it was well-made, surprisingly. You know, we just came hot off of um, The Mist. And I, I think this movie kind of succeeds in a lot of places where The Mist doesn't. I was mentioning that The Mist was very awkward and like cut together kind of strangely and... I'm sure, as Trevor was mentioning, there was a lot of laughing in the theater when there wasn't supposed to be laughing. Whereas here, even though it is a comedy, I think all the laughs were calculated um, and everything else was just well done. You know, the uh, the CGI, maybe not the best, but uh, everything else, just good, solid movie making, having fun with it.
1: Okay, uh, listen, I'm glad that you had fun with it and we're going to have fun on this episode so now I get to say what I thought about it, generally speaking. Here we go. First of all, I thought the <laughs> effects generally throughout were very good for a movie that was 23 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, we saw some tentacle effects in The Mist, which came out nine years after this film, that were much worse than the tentacle effect, you know, the effects in this one. So
2: that that, that that is true. The Shermanator scene doesn't hold up.
1: No, not at all. Like, even in the black and white version, it, it's still... Yeah, by the way, there, there you go. Another reference to the Shermanator, Adam. Yeah. <laughs> um, Again, we're going to have fun, but I thought that this movie, for the most part, was terrible. That's a hero of my life. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> I, I, I thought it was, like like, so sloppily put together... Um, I, I really, I am, w- I'm willing to go with you guys on talking about how fun it was. Cause it is generally pretty fun, but I did find it quite funny that this film was included in film critic, Roger Ebert's most hated list. And <laughs> his take on it was essentially why spend $50 million on a movie that you're not going to put 50 seconds of thought into. Do you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. he, he really thought the movie was like slapdash together and
2: and yet, it, two thumbs up for Jackass number two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No,
1: my main thing is that it just, it I don't know, it just kind of, it just was extremely dumb, which I can totally get with. Uh, and I found the direction to be, honestly, Adam, do you know what this movie reminded me of? Uh, it reminded me of Space Mutiny. Like, that's how- happened-
0: you, dude.
1: I'm not joking. I, it really felt so low budget, like a sci-fi movie, but it literally had this fifty million dollars. So um,
0: sorry, you cut out. That's why I was taking advantage of it. But um, yeah, it's funny because my go-to after like I watch like a art housey Criterion movie or something is going to read Roger Ebert's review. And a lot of the times we have similar feelings. In fact, he and I feel similarly about not enjoying Godfather Part Two very much. But I think. That he's completely wrong here and also wrong about video games being art.
1: <laughs> did, did, did he have like an anti-video game stance?
0: Yeah, he
2: said they weren't art. Well, oh yeah, this, he's, he's incorrect. Yeah.
1: This this movie feels like a video game. Like I would play this video game. I just didn't think it translated. And Steven Summers' movies always feel like video games. The only complaint I will say for the rest of this episode before we have fun talking about it. And I'll just pretend I enjoyed watching this movie because... Part of me definitely did have fun with just the silliness of the plot. Like, deep sea alien, or sorry, deep sea creature attacks cruise ship It's pretty cool. Like, generally speaking, that is a cool idea. Uh, and I can see where you guys are coming from and where past guest Deshaun's coming from. But Treat Williams being the star of this movie is. Unacceptable, guys. Oh <laughs> I'm well, sorry. On. he was
2: the best DB Cooper we've ever had.
0: <laughs> <laughs> he worked starting <This>, it.
1: <laughs> with 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 the amount of James Cameron and John Carpenter ripoff stuff that we had in this movie, this movie was one but not, I'm sorry, rip-offs, homage to two filmmakers who I'm sure Steven Summers loves and I do too. But this movie was a Kurt Russell or even like a young Matthew McConaughey or something away from being, in my opinion, much, much better. Treat Williams given me nothing in this
0: movie. I don't know. I, I thought he I thought he did a pretty good job, especially because I'd never recognized him before. And like I was into his character here. But you're not you're not disagreeing though that kurt
1: russell would be i mean i know it's a little too poseidon adventure and yeah you know, but you would you're not disagreeing though that like kurt russell or matthew mcconaughey is better in this role
0: um yeah i guess sophia vigar would be a better girlfriend to me right now but i'm not complaining with my current one you know what i mean
1: <laughs> oh my gosh i mean listen for with a 50 million dollar movie what i'm saying is you could have gone out it didn't need to be like we mentioned in the pre-show it didn't need to be Harrison Ford, of course. Then that becomes a hundred million dollar movie and stuff like that. But
0: it for it to be Treat Williams was just baffling to me. It's always all about money with you, Trevor. It's disgusting.
1: <laughs> I found him snooping around the cargo. If there's anything I can do to make your trip more comfortable, you
0: come to me, okay? <gasps> <right>?
1: <gasps> okay. All right. Let's let's have fun. But let, let, let me let me start us on the fun. Let me start us on the fun train. Uh, the blood splatters in this movie, a lost art. I mean, the blood splatters were glorious. Just like an attack happening and then just blood splattering on the wall. I loved it.
2: It makes it work. Usually I'm very phobic to the idea of just like the PG-13-ish, you know, cutaway splat. Um, However, um, this is so over the top and so quick that um, if you blink you sometimes miss a few of them and so it really knows how to uh you know quality and quantity is pretty well done here
1: yeah, yeah and I, I noticed one of the very first things i heard in this movie was uh the word fuck the first thing like one of the very first lines and i go oh this is a rated r movie again that's how cold i went into this movie is i didn't know how rated r it was going to be so again compliment to deep rising how it's a full-on rated r movie yes right?
0: and it's funny that the 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 blood does pretty well as the movie goes on, but initially in those first scenes when, like, the cruise ship first tips over and, like, people are scrambling to their feet, the blood was not looking good there on people. I was, like, almost going to chalk it up to just bad choices.
1: You were, you were a little worried that early on in the movie, but but what, what was the moment that turned you? Was it, I mean, for me, it would be when Famke Janssen comes on screen and I realize... I mean, I was looking into Famke Janssen's, um, uh, obviously, I I like her anytime she's on screen, but she was in Goldeneye, The Faculty, and Rounders, and X-Men in the 90s alone, like from the year 95 onward. Like, it's it's an incredible filmography for such a small stretch. Also, Deep Rising.
0: (laughs) Um, No, it was like pretty much right away when we get the cool music Um, after the initial like camera underwater shot, and it goes to the boat, and then they're like... There's a lot of energy on that boat, and it's going back and forth between everyone. I was like, yeah, you know what? This isn't, like, cringe-worthy. I- I- I'm down to see where this goes.
1: Well, I mean, yeah. One of the first things we see as we go on a Well, first of all, you start with the Jaws cam right up top. We're doing Jaws cam, and that's mm-hmm. really fun. But then we go to the cruise ship, and we have a casino, and there's a bunch of extras, and all I'm thinking is, Sterling, you genius, you've done it, you've picked an incredible movie for us to discuss. And then, um, you know, the thing hit. You know, I love a casino on a ship and stuff like that. I thought the vibe of that was really, really fun. Um, and then it was like, okay, so it's like it's like the Poseidon Adventure. All right, this is a lot of fun. This is going to be good. And then it cuts to, like, the bridge, and he's playing, um, like, uh, poker or whatever. So that's very much like Kurt Russell playing chess in the thing. So I think that's very much a reference to that. Um, and I'm like, this is really, really fun. Uh, I couldn't really tell you when it turned for me exactly. Uh, but, Sterling, what, what's what, what's your favorite thing about this movie, generally speaking?
2: My favorite thing about this movie is actually the cast. I love how well-rounded, but also insanely diverse this cast is. But also it, it's a great time capsule because seeing where a lot of these players went in their careers very soon after this, you can tell that uh, this film was just going crazy with its kills. So like, for instance, I, uh, um, I always, uh, when I went back into this movie, this is the first time I've seen it in about at least four years. Nice. Um, uh, I forgot how quickly they off uh, Hounsou in this. And, 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 um, as like an example, uh, actors you see now who are, you know, a part of the whole, you know, MCU kind of thing that wouldn't happen now, at least not as uh, quickly as it does here, Um, but yeah, it's, it's really the cast and the fact that this movie really proves like, like why, why is Famke Janssen not used more often, especially in this kind of role? Why, why, why is Jay O'Connor, still such a rarity such a gem you know um there there's such great talent here when used in in certain corners of cinema that is just so charming and wonderful but you don't really see that this is really the one stop shop for many highlights of um otherwise much highlighted careers
0: yeah and I think that that seems like to be Summer's strength, where this movie could have easily been like laughed off at every moment. Um, I think the the acting chops in this film is, is really strong. Like they all delivered it pretty well, except for uh, Hanover, I didn't believe, like at any moment.
1: Yes. Yeah. Is, is that the guy? Is that uh, Wes Studi? Is that is that yeah. who? who, who uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Although I will say his death scene was brutal. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, the, uh, I mean, spoilers on this. You didn't this. like I, I, that? I, what?
0: You didn't like that? That was such no. like a charming little thing in the movie. No, no, no. I'm saying it was brutal,
1: like the way it went down. It was actually like I, you almost felt bad for him. But I loved, I loved, I loved, I loved their love that he tried shooting uh, Kevin J. O'Connor while he was running away. And then it was revealed very quickly that that was his last bullet. So yeah. he couldn't kill himself. Yeah. I, I, that was the most clever part of the movie for me. And I actually laughed out loud. I was like, that is so like mean. But also that character was mean. So fuck him.
0: Yeah, that was that was really good, and I mean that's that's the thing that I did like about this movie is those little moments, and uh, if we can get a spoiler straight to the end, um, when they land on the island, right, and then <laughs> there's something crawling around on the island, that's so good. I was like actually surprised by that.
1: It, it truly, it truly is like a movie that's just out to fully entertain and keep you like basically like so. I don't, I don't. How do you even explain like the the hardship they go through mm-hmm. on the ship to end up... It's, it's not The Mist, you know what I mean? It's not that mean-spiritedness that The Mist has, but it's mm-hmm. weirdly very close in a way. You know, like, you, you're you with these people, Treat William Sandkin, Jansen, Kevin G. O'Connor, that you like, and you're on this island, and now you're like, they have to deal with this volcano and this monster now as we pull away. <laughs> or maybe
2: they thought they might get a sequel. I don't know. Right. Funny enough, there's a, a movie that came out in the mid-2000s that is actually, I swear... It is a ripoff of this, but, um, and it's the main reason why I didn't like that movie when it came out, even though everyone else do- doesn't like this movie because of, because, um, but uh, <laughs> it would be the 2005 adaptation of Doom. It's right. the same movie, but oh, wow. on uh, a place called the Ark on Mars, that teleports mm-hmm. you from um, earth base to a Mars base, as opposed to a ship, but it's the exact same scenario down to the idea of a very astute and um, you know high on the class scale pole of uh, individuals getting slaughtered and then a mercenary crew coming in to do what they can but are immediately outmatched. Hmm. And uh, the, the caution design and the weaponry is all, almost exactly the same, except the only main difference is that the guns, the machine guns in doom, um don't sound like a rubber duck trapped between pistons of a forerunner and you're hauling 90 down the 55 you know like that's like that's the one choice in this movie that i'm just wondering is that is i'm not an expert on guns i'm i i don't intend to ever be i don't know if there's guns that sound squeaky but these guns are squeaky. Well, I'm
0: gonna say, like, yeah, the uh, the another charming choice in this movie is that they decide to like make their own guns and introduce them specifically into this movie. Like, any other movie would have just like, you know, thrown it away. Oh, they just have machine guns, whatever. But we actually get to know the guns a little bit here.
1: You, you know what that is? That's every movie we've watched in this series, or most of them are. It's just they're trying to be aliens. The movie Aliens the movie Aliens have has a very specific type of gun with a very specific sound. Mm-hmm. This is Steven Summers saying, I want my own gun in my movie, and I want the sound of it to be as iconic as the sound of the guns in Aliens. <laughs> really? But you're right, Sterling, they sounded insane. And you know what's crazy about that is this movie had, no joke, a hundred times the gunplay that I thought it would. There was so much shooting in this movie. Like, <laughs> I haven't seen Doom, but this movie gave it any movie I can think of a, a, a run for its money in terms of how many bullets those guys were spraying in that cruise ship.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Uh, I mean, aside okay. from from John Woo's universe, this film doesn't understand the idea of clip capacity. It's oh, none. It, it's just full on cheat codes from, you know, GTA, which uh, big shout out to Clifton Powell, who plays Big Smoke. Anyway,
1: <laughs> yeah no that's why I say it feels like a video game as you just res- described a, a video game movie Doom a- as being similar to this and it truly does I mean is this based on a video game or am I missing something
2: well if you want to play the games this is technically based on if it was which it's not then you can play Cold Fear or Resident Evil Re- Revelations but um, yeah. this is essentially a, a movie that yes it should have been or vice versa from the start because it does have that energy and it it, it, you, you would know that if this was a game, it would be fun as hell. So mm-hmm. it's just that kind of experience that uh, even though it is what it is and your opinion is whatever it'll be, you had a good time with this because um, it was well-made enough to make you smile.
0: Unless you're Trevor. Oh. Hey, listen, th-
2: that's the that's the
1: Adam role on this show is to have uh, myself and the guests have a good time with the movie and then Adam come on and try to put it down. I'm not trying to put it down this hard. Like I can, I can tell you like the first kill in the bathroom with that poor young lady where she's sitting, I believe they're in the bathroom, right? And then she gets yes. like pulled through and there's – that was – I was like – so I was trying to figure out what the movie was in terms of just – overall feel, right? Cuz that just feels very mean. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, so the movie has some teeth to it. That's for sure. Um so is uh, the monster. Absolutely. Absolutely. And well, let's you know what, let's just skip to it. Let's talk about the monsters cuz we're talking about creature features. Mm-hmm. I will say it was very interesting, although it didn't it didn't trick me at all because I thought it was something it wasn't the whole time. Uh I think we're supposed to believe throughout the movie that there's a bunch of monsters on the ship, right? Is that was that your understanding, Adam, as we were going through it?
0: Um I think yeah that is what it wanted but it was my i i like sort of knew right away it was just gonna be one tentacle
1: yeah yeah me too i I had a feeling it was just all of the tentacles of this one huge monster which is a really fun reveal
2: well don't just sit there go help him are you kidding me those guys are dangerous no shit. you've got to do something i find you live longer if you don't um
1: uh have, have you guys seen that kristen stewart movie that came out last year called underwater no i have not Okay, so I recommend that movie if you like Deep Rising. I actually thought that movie was really well made, and uh, she's very good in it, and so is the supporting cast, but, uh, well, we can't talk about it then. Never mind. But watch Underwater, but there's a, there's a nice reveal at the end of that movie that reminded me of this movie, uh, and that's not a spoiler, and you won't be able to figure it out, but I think uh, Sterling, you specifically, will really enjoy the, the the reveal at the end of Underwater.
2: Understood. Is Underwater, in your opinion, better than this?
1: Oh, see, that's what I was thinking the whole time I was watching it. So Underwater will be a movie that no one will remember or talk about even five years from now, yet we're on a podcast right now talking about this movie 25 years later. So, no, I will give Deep Rising the the upper hand on Underwater. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, it it definitely has – and I still hear people talking about Deep Rising, and I know Adam said he had never even heard of the film, but – um the circles i run in and some of the circles that you run in sterling people Mm -hmm. still talk about deep uh deep rising so so no i I, i'll i'll give deep rising slightly the upper hand okay but but still watch underwater because if you even like if you like deep rising you're gonna like underwater
2: no uh it sounds like it would be my kind of thing because uh with me personally maritime horror has always been in my opinion the most brutal
1: oh yeah if you can
2: if you can make a, a film with uh the least amount of favorable odds for the entire cast maritime horror is it just delivers my uh my earliest trauma with horror is actually the film orca oh wow (laughs) um and because i was like four and i just remember the scene with like the uh female orca giving birth on deck with its abdomen just shredded open after that um it was just the uh, initial capsizing scene of the original Poseidon adventure being like abnormally effective in just wiping 99% of this crew out right now. Right. And um, then, you know, deciding who's the most innocent survivor. Okay. How about we boil them alive on the surface of the sun really quick? Okay. Here's a, Here's 80 foot of, uh, of, of uh, you know, impact trauma to the face. Okay, she's gone, you know, and it's basically um, very much if it involves the ocean or um, Mother Nature's uh, wrath when it comes to water, you're screwed. Adam,
1: what would you say is the most iconic image or scene from this movie? Like, what do you think of when you think of this movie? Because I know what I think of when I even before I had even seen it.
0: Um, well, I'm probably going to think about the scene where, uh, that guy gets spit out and he's like half fried already.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. So that, that's something that we'll talk about. We'll get to ratings very soon, but that's the one thing I found extremely unique about this monster or this creature is that he even, one of the characters even explains in the movie, like, no, they don't eat you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Famke Jansen is like, oh well at least if we get taken by one of these things, like she's literally like, it's going to eat us, right? And then yeah, he says, no, it drinks you, which I'm think which I'm thinking is horrible, horrible. And then I believe then we see that gentleman. And that again, effects were pretty it was effects were effective there.
0: Yeah, it it worked pretty well. Um I think really quick uh Sterling, you said you <laughs> own this movie. Is it do you have it on Blu ray? No, I do not because there's a, I was looking at Amazon, and there's actually a very cool cover Blu-ray edition of this film, which is is weird. It must be like considered a cult classic and a lot of rings enough for like it to get a cool treatment like that.
2: Definitely, um, it has not yet been picked up by Janice, but I'm still waiting. <laughs> but uh, but yeah. until um, until we have its own entire supplements DVD, um, I, I I do. Uh, I am warming up to the world of Blu-ray right now. I'm very much a DVD head, mm-hmm. so I don't own that. But it is one that I would go for only because I am. Um, this is one film that I do, um, I do intend to watch way more often. I mean, like Evil Dead Two amounts because it's just mm-hmm. that watchable to me. It's just that fun,
0: right? But Trevor, what what is the most iconic scene to you here?
1: I'm going to assume it's what's on t- on the Blu-ray cover and it would be the jet ski stuff. I mean, the jet ski stuff is like all I remember seeing on like the VHS covers when I was growing up and stuff like that. It's the only thing, if I had ever seen a trailer from this movie in the back of my mind, I would have remembered is them escaping from the monster on the jet ski is pretty crazy. Actually, Sterling, that, interestingly, isn't that how uh, Resident Evil 4 ends? <laughs> yeah.
2: Yes, exactly. One hundred percent. And I was thinking about that. The, the, so... I uh, re-watched this last night just to, like, you know, uh, uh, make sure I have uh, just all of my memories come back to me. Mm-hmm. It's so funny seeing that, because, yeah, it's the jet ski specifically with the explosion right behind them. Mm-hmm. It's not throws people for authentic treatment unless the explosion propels them further. And <laughs> that's what we get.
0: Yeah, which is that's exactly where my mind went to also, despite the fact that this was well before Resident Evil Four, so that must be a reference.
1: Yeah, totally. I I think I think it was as well. um I you know what I was thinking throughout the whole movie is that the reason why again it felt like a video game to me is because I think most movies would have just done Titanic with uh, a creature on the boat, and we would just stay or like Poseidon Adventure, we would just stay with the people on the boat and the fact that they add in this third party of mercenaries Mm -hmm. the fact that they add the aliens mercenaries into the titanic movie that's why i keep referencing cameron because it feels very james cameron to me um that felt at first convoluted but that now that i'm like kind of thinking back on the movie i'm thinking like well that's the doom treatment that's the cool part about the movie is the mercenaries coming in and being like Where did everybody go? Oh, oh, by the way, the reveal later of the casino floor with all of the, oh God, all that, that for some reason that actually got me like all those dead bodies. Mm -hmm. And then I thought it was disgusting when the water like all of a sudden started flowing in over the dead bodies. like, I don't know why, but that really like grossed me out.
0: (laughs) Um, Yeah. And I think the the mercenaries add like a pretty cool angle just in terms of like being able to tackle this monster because they do, they are able to hurt it. Uh, The one question is like, what, why did they have those big missiles in the first place? If they were just going to rob the casino, what was the point?
1: Uh, right. Am I am I to believe that they were just going to roll up on this casino or on, on this ship, I should say, and we're going to rob it? And then they just it just got basically unlucky that this thing was attacking the ship.
2: Uh, essentially, that is the case. It's 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 <laughs> it is the owner of the ship saying, "Yeah, come do this," and then I'm just going to be another survivor. Right. I'm going to collect insurance, and you're going to collect the vault. And then, um, you know, we, we have an intruder, uh, that was not planned and, uh, essentially everything went to shit. That's so I mean,
1: the heist element of it is the, is the most convoluted part, but like it is the most nineties, you know, <laughs>
0: cool part about the movie. I would say. Right. It
2: very much is. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the strangest adaptation of Ocean's 11 for sure.
0: What, a <laughs> yeah. uh, Trevor, what, what, is, what about this movie did you not like? What did not do it for you? What do you mean? That's all I've been talking about the whole time. <laughs> What are you talking about? You sound like you love it.
1: Okay. All right. We're going to move on to rating the movie, uh, Sterling. We're going to go through five categories, and obviously we can continue talking about the movies. You don't just – I don't have to just ask you a question and you say, all right, six. Moving on. No. Um, category number one, one through ten, you'll start, Sterling, is how cool is the monster's origin – Or I mean, okay, so that's kind of a spoiler, but how cool are the monsters' multiple origins in this movie?
2: Um. So, okay – um. Okay. Origin. <laughs> Get ready, everybody. <laughs> so, 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 um, may I ask a question for context in the show? Yeah. Adam,
1: Adam. Adam has to answer it though.
2: Okay, Adam. Specifically, um, when I'm answering this from one to ten, is the origin based on in film context of the monster, or origin based on when you first see a monster? dawn itself on screen.
0: Uh, Yeah, history in the context of the movie.
2: Okay. Okay, so let's pull a number out. Um, So I guess if we're to believe that this is actually a strange um, island dwelling thing or things, um, I think that's kind of cool in a very mysterious way. Uh, Because the film doesn't like to really give you a straight answer. I I know what it's going for. It's obvious what it's going for, especially if you're into, you know, late 20s literature. But essentially, um, this would be, I want to give it like, you know, at least around a six for the idea that Uh um, I love what it's referencing. I love what it's attributing itself to. And because it's doing that, of course, you're not really going to get an origin. We don't know if this thing is from a different dimension or a different planet. But we right. just know that it's it's here now, and uh, it's uh, apparently amphibious. So that sucks. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
0: Interesting choice. Um, Trevor?
1: Okay, so um, I usually go third, Adam, and you know that. But I will go now. I'm giving it a seven. Um, we actually get a... Uh, we actually get a... The captain explains kind of where the uh, monster is from. Am I am I right about that? Yeah. He says, like, this is a blah, 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 blah. You know, at sea level, they can do this at, you know, 20,000 feet down. They can do this. Imagine what this thing can do at 40,000 feet down. So I liked that. So I have a question for you, and it certainly seems like you're... Are you assuming that this monster is from the
2: island that they get to at the end? I'm, uh, um, I'm assuming that it's um it's it's kind of hinted kind of in some of the framing of that last shot that this seems like a, it, it could be of primordial origin right um okay. because yeah. it's showing the volcano it's showing this clearly or possibly uninhabited island by at least the the, the human form that this thing is from out of t- out of our time and definitely out of our uh, view of belief and reality. So, um, yeah, I'm going by what the director chose to provide us as our final image, right. while while a possible non sequel is was rearing its head, its many heads. So.
1: Adam, I'm, gonna, I'm interested in your reading of this because I'm giving it a seven. I think that the origin of this monster is pretty cool. Uh, generally, we'll get to it later, but I think these monsters are pretty awesome in general. But um, I thought that the island was just this random thing at the end where Stephen Summers was just saying like, oh, they got away from this monster. Now, ha, ha, ha. In the South Pacific, there's also this other monster. Well, how did you read that last moment?
0: Yeah, I read it similarly also and because uh, just because the captain uh, on the ship talks about how deep... That creature must have come from, you know, he says, like right below forty thousand feet. Oh, who knows?
1: But Sterling is, I think, positing that the captain is just flat wrong. Do you know what I mean? Like, right. it it almost seems in the in the story, if we're giving Stephen Summers credit here, it seems like in the story we're to believe it's from the deep. But it would make more sense that it's just from the island that they are that they're by, right? Well, like no, because
0: like, the opening credit, the title card, like, or the words we get are. Talking about the trench, the Mariana's Trench, right? That's
1: right. So yeah, yes. that's that's how I read it. That's how I read it, yeah. So I read it that these beasts were from the deep, but the beasts that we like are about to meet on the island is just, but what, what, it was what Sterling was saying. It's primordial, it's right. different, and it's like, oh, this is like the Bermuda Triangle of the South yeah. Pacific. Like, there's monsters everywhere. Like, you know he, what I mean?
2: Yes, this is basically a new chain of mythos, and it's, a, it, it's essentially going to be this collective of new possibly interdimensional or primordial monsters that have not been, ex- been explored or discovered, whether it's the trench uh, variety or it's the undocumented Island variety. It's just the idea of these, like these uh, new found cryptid esque uh, monstrosities that are just feeding there. It's just another type of uh, life form in the animal chain. Right, and yeah. Um, I do enjoy the idea that it's, it's all so mysterious. We get so much view of uh, what came from the deep. We get none from what's coming for them, but there's nothing to really say that they're not connected in some way as well. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's what I like. I It's the coincidence there. It's either going to be just like, like a, a lull, kind of like, oh, here we go again, kind of thing. Or it's going to be that infused with a little more of, Okay, so there's another type that doesn't need water, you know? And so um, I I really, I know it's it'll never be explored on screen, but I would have loved, of course, I would have ate it up if they actually continued this somehow.
0: Right, yeah, same here, actually. I would have been enjoyed that. Um, but I think, you know, if I'm going to give my rating, despite your very good uh, <clears throat> argument, Sterling, I'm giving it a one. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I just think uh, the trench is overdone, man, and that's it. It's just, oh, that's probably where it comes from. This is whack. This is a terrible
2: thing. Oh, take. man. Uh, wow. And it's it, we're going inspired by the man who's explored that trench more than any human on Earth. Right. <laughs> James Cameron right now just cringed in his seat like something happened. There's a disturbance in my force, you know. So
0: <laughs> There's a disturbance Adam, in the Adam. Avatar tree.
1: <laughs> Adam Adam is taking his heel turn here now as he's gonna all of a sudden be the bad guy on the podcast.
2: I dig this, I dig it.
1: Uh okay, I wrote down one uh Sterling. Uh by the way, I will mention this movie is ambitious if anything. You know what I mean? Mm. Like the oh, yeah. the ending is ambitious and trying to world build, which I do appreciate.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh category number two, one to ten. How dumb slash silly are the human characters in Deep Rising?
2: I want to go um to uh an basically an eight for this. And it's only because Um, um, not only do we have the straight man lead in Treat Williams, who is trying to hang on to that title, but is constantly doing his Spielbergian humor whenever he can. We have uh, Funka Jansen, who is essentially a comical thief. It seems almost like auditioning for a different version of Catwoman. Yeah, uh, being a burglar on uh, you know a third party on this ship, just out for her own, and then of course Kevin J O'Connor is there, so he yeah. so so um that's going to add a constant flow of co- of 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 comic relief whether you want it or not. But I think it worked, and then um, essentially, although the mercenaries are anything but silly, anything but goofy and. And uh, adding, you know, their own form of extra comical life—it's—it's it's their responses to these other characters that seem like they're pulled from other movies entirely—that really adds to the flavor for me. Yeah. I like the idea of Kevin J. O'Connor just being that character that's like you're—you're you're in the wrong movie, but they're going to react to him as if he—he isn't—and <laughs> um, that's what—that's to me what adds to my to to uh, my number.
0: Adam? Trevor, why don't you go first? All right. Well,
1: I'll say <laughs> this. Uh, Sterling, when this show ends, there's a little clip that Adam likes to put in uh, at the end of every uh, what, what we call main feed episode. Okay. And it, it, uh, it's, a, it's a it's a sound of a guy who is – what is it, Adam? He's, like, trying something. What is it?
0: He's trying uh, ice cream. He's a professional yeah, he's taster. Try,
1: it, that's right. He's a professional taster, and he tries out the ice cream. And at the end of every episode, it says uh, – he makes a noise with his mouth where he goes like – and he says – that's a ten. This one is a ten. This is awesome. a ten. Uh, I'm not awesome. going with how dumb these characters are. I'm going with how silly these are movies. I yeah. mean, this is a extremely silly gang of mercenaries <laughs> mixed yes. with these people on this boat. So yeah. for me, Adam, I'm not. I'm going to let you explain it a little bit. I'm sure your score is right alongside mine. I'm giving it a ten.
0: Yeah, that's. Uh, I like that enthusiasm. I'll give it a ten also. <laughs> um, I mean, that's what they're written for, right? Everyone is either stupid or cool, and even the cool guys are silly. So I think there you go. You rate it fine.
1: It's a B. This is a B movie. You know what I mean? So when I said at the beginning it was terrible, you know, I didn't mean it was terrible. I meant that, like, I think it knows what it is, but... I, just the fact that I'm not quite sure it knows what it is makes me think that this maybe is just a bad movie as opposed to a B-movie, but...
2: <laughs> it <laughs> knows on to... how ridiculous this is. It, I, it, yeah. it understands, you know? Like as, I, I hope so. As foolhardy as this group is, they're completely not professional at all. And yeah, it yeah. feels like they're the B-team with their greater whatever um, administration they're actually with.
1: Right, you're right. You're right. It's it's not taking the aliens' approach of like showing the mercenaries be very competent before they're ripped apart by the creatures. You know what I mean? It's they're, they they're never shown for their competence really. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, category number three. How sympathetic is the monster in this movie?
2: <laughs> 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 well, there you go. Uh, um, uh, you have to go with uh, uh I, I, I my numbers have to stay on the positive side of the spectrum. I can't say like negative two.
1: Yeah. Zero to 10.
2: Okay. I'm going to go with one because, Mm. um, I'm going to give it one point because of the great callback they made to the, um, to the great reference at the beginning of of the movie about eating an elephant's eyeball and it pops. Mm. And then later on in the film, you have an elephant sized eyeball popping. And I felt kind of bad for that. That sucks. So I'll give it one point.
1: Okay. (laughs) Um, Adam, you you go second on this one because I think I know how you're going to tackle this. This is a
0: big fed zero for me, baby.
1: (laughs) Oh, wow. There's
0: nothing. I mean, there would be if, like, they had awoken it, maybe. Then I'd give it some points. But uh, it's just sort of there. There's no reason for it.
1: You're not even going to take the angle of, like, they shouldn't have been bringing their big man-made ship through the waters?
0: No, come on. Everybody loves the waters. (laughs)
2: <laughs> I All mean, right. like, other than the crew and the the gamblers, you know, no one didn't get what they didn't deserve necessarily.
0: Right. <laughs>
1: I'll give it a one from the animal's perspective. It's kind of like, hey, what's this big thing that's potentially threatening me and my Mariana Trench buddies? So I'll give it a one. No, no, no. Uh, yeah.
0: I got to disagree with you even there because he should be way down deep. Like, we're not exploring the caves. We're up on the <laughs> surface, baby. That's our agreement. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Hey, then you're not familiar with, like, how far, like, a crocodile will follow you if you even come close to its baby's nest. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, those things will, like, go after you if you come anywhere near. So, anyway, one. I'm not Listen, I'm <laughs> not giving the thing a ten, all right? Calm down. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. uh, number four, another tough one. How strong of a metaphor is the monster in Deep Rising?
2: <laughs> um... I mean, aside from whatever Freudian stuff you can pull out of your ass on this one, um, this is basically, again, this is going to be a uh, very single digit. This is going to be just uh wow, I guess I'll go one again just because, yeah, the allusions again to like what this is kind of referencing is there, right. but um, there's no metaphor. It's a metaphor for hunger, it's a metaphor for for the food <laughs> chain, you know? Like, like no, like right. literally I would have to go there and sound – a pompous like cry-hard about like trying to oversell the idea of a generic tentacle monster man um as opposed to like just saying it straight up it's yeah it's like a two or a one. What okay so you give
1: giving a two? <laughs> oh one.
2: Yeah, yeah, one. No, I'm I I'm sticking with that gun.
0: Uh I will go with a four. I think uh there's a little bit of a greed metaphor in here, gentlemen. Um mm. And I think uh, that's you know if if they were well I mean they could have got they couldn't really get off the boat as it was anyway without dealing with the monster but I think there are some instances here where greed uh, is involved in pretty much everyone's sort of connection to the cruise ship and I so think, like
2: gl- greed meeting gluttony you mean
0: yeah in a way sure <laughs> eating okay. eating as much money as you can get. Um, <laughs> But I think, yeah, I think there is something there a little bit. It doesn't really work, but uh, I'll give it that four.
1: So what is the metaphor then for the monster? If 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 the people on the ship are greedy, then what's the metaphor for the monster? No, the
0: monster is greed. It represents like they're on the casino ship trying to get all this money and stuff. They mm. wouldn't be there, see. All
1: right. Yeah. All right. So my score is a one. Uh, Steven Summers is uh, not a metaphorical filmmaker in my mind. Uh, I, th- I thought this was very pun intended surface level as it were. Um, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm not, listen, I'm not trying to be too uh, mean to this movie. It's, it's it's had a rough last two rounds, but it started strong. Let's end it strong. Category number five, rampage points. Sterling, are you um, familiar with the N64 or the cabinet game Rampage? Yes, I am. So this is exactly what you think it is. It's how many rampage points are we giving the monster in this movie for destroying stuff, essentially?
2: Um, well, since we're, we can technically only go by a ship, in the vast reaches of the entire ocean. Right. Um, Perspective based on that, I would have to go kind of like a one, but if you're just going on the scope of the ship, the entire vessel, plus Freak Williams' little cute boat, um, then you've got like, yeah, it it does a pretty good job. I would say um, definitely a really high eight on that point, only because it does seem, so there is no boat by the end. Um, the explosion is more so from the mercenary standpoint, but right, um, it, it it does sink. Treats little boat is pretty much uh, a a hunk of junk, and um, yeah, the every little piece of like corridor and kitchen and um, functional uh, piece of tangible device on the ship that it gets just shattered by the monster's rampage. It does pretty good. Um, the the humans don't really add much to that until the end. So yeah, I, I, w- I would go like a high eight. It does. It is pretty good. And the final score is based on the fact that the ship is no more by the end. And it would have sunk regardless if it weren't for the explosion. Even.
0: Yeah. I think uh, I'm going to give it a seven for similar reasons. Like with, with what we have working in the movie, it does pretty much take it all apart which is cool
1: yeah I, I, uh, uh sterling kind of shifting the perspective not from the world because we're stuck in the you know the the uh, south pacific basically so yeah. it, this monster basically destroys everything it can mm-hmm. um so in that regard i should give it a 10 but i'm, I'm giving it a 7 as well um it definitely and also if if we're adding in the mercenaries which i don't think count i think we're just going off of how much the monster destroys the mercenaries like i said lots of gunplay lots of bullet holes in that cruise ship so um, it really that that cruise ship really gets like titanic size fucked up which uh i'm really i'm really happy with in terms of the the movie and how it turned out uh we were close to a 777 there which would have been a jackpot at the casino but we went 877
2: Darn
1: bonus category how big slash scary is the monster in this movie
2: i would have to give it uh i want to give it a nine only because um again we don't see the full size of it we see the full is enough size of it that it can fit in the ballroom essentially the gambling floor and what i like about the scariness of the monster is yeah we took we we covered this a, a little while back we're led to kind of guess if this is multiple or one creature It does a great job at hiding the fact that it, 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 for the most part is one creature. I mean, again, it's not stated, but we kind of get that visual cue. And um, this thing is just kind of a master of disguise in that sense. And then once it it reveals itself amidst the one scene that I um, is more, is most memorable to me being what Trevor mentioned earlier, just the ballroom, flooded with just eaten and dissolved corpses um being this is harrowing view of like what it does that right there sells it to me as like this is a frightening fate being swallowed alive and um digested as liquid by this thing alongside probably tons of other people next to you in its stomach and um it's uh yeah, it's definitely a one up on uh, Anaconda, which came out one year before. This. I, I, I was just
1: gonna say it reminds <laughs> me a lot of the Anaconda fate.
2: <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah, I gotta say this one did the whole John Voight throw up thing a lot better.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh yeah, for sure, one hundred percent.
2: Yes. So that's yeah, I'm 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 gonna go for a nine on this pretty solid one. There
1: cool adam did this monster scare you was it big
0: it was big and scary trevor uh, i'll give it an eight um yeah i think th- more than the look of the monster the uh the idea of what it does to people is is much more frightening um i don't know what 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 are y'all holding back on for me
1: that's a 10 baby this is like <laughs> a scary ass and huge monster i mean uh we well, looking back on some of the movies we've done i mean we're talking the pinhead we're talking the uh, audrey 2 we're talking uh the creature from the lack of gloom this thing would just dis- destroy all of those things uh, even given context which Sterling doesn't have the full context here um nine is still a very good score eight is a good score from you adam but i'm going full 10 this movie uh is predicated it's predicated on the idea that this is going to be a big payoff at the end and i think it's a huge payoff
0: right
2: it really it really is and um I guess, in a way, a good way to really judge that is, like, would it be a good match uh, for Kong? And, like, yes, it would be. But also, I guess what I'm holding back on is that I don't see the whole thing. I, I don't have the permission, I guess, to really go there unless I was to see, like, where does it end? Is it still in the trench? Is it just popping out its head? Is it, like, a, a little little cool little, uh, you know, puppet? <laughs> or is it the real thing? We don't know. And I'm totally... I'm totally uh, uh, convincing myself to just to go 10 now by saying that, but so, <laughs> so, uh, so uh, yeah, I got to stay with nine. That's what I said, but Trevor, I, I think you're valid.
1: All right. <laughs> all the right. Air number. <laughs> so uh, the final scores here for each of us. Sterling, you gave the film a 33 out of 50. Listen, the scale doesn't always reflect exactly what you thought about the movie as we'll find out in a little bit, but sure. giving it two ones is tough. It's It's tough to recover from that um adam you gave it a 30 three points lower than sterling out of 50 how do you feel about that you gave it a one a zero so that you know again tough to recover
0: uh it better be higher than yours but i doubt it
1: uh and i have given the film uh 36 so the highest <laughs> out of the three of us
2: um, <laughs> what a twist
1: yeah uh, so uh total 33 plus 30 plus 36 is exactly 99 i can tell you where that ranks in our current series Um, We have kind of the upper tier movies so far, like uh, Matongo. By the way, Sterling, have you seen the film Matongo? I've not. Highly recommend. I I said this to our guest last week, Craig Duffy. It's a a, a Shiro Honda film, you know, if you're a big fan of. um, Yes. Yeah, of course. (laughs) Check out Matongo. It's (laughs) it's also called Attack of the Mushroom People on Amazon, but don't go into it thinking it's uh, Attack of the Mushroom People.
2: Okay, noted. Um,
1: but yeah, the higher tier stuff like Matongo and Hellraiser and, of course, Little Shop of Horror and The Mist, it's right below that. It has a 99, so Deep Rising right in the middle of the pack. Wonderful. Uh, Adam, I could see it uh, picking up a few silver ghosties during the outro to Creature Feature.
0: Speaking and... of which, uh, Sterling, uh, what would your award be that we might give away here at the end of our Creature Feature season? Some examples of previous awards are the Trevor Dillon Award for chunkiest Monster the my personal award for tastiest treat or which might even win here. <laughs> the... wait, wait,
1: wait, 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 you know, <laughs> so you didn't know you're doing deep rising, but I'm going to spoil the outro to creature feature. There's only one movie that can win for tastiest treat.
0: <laughs> well, we'll see. Won't we Trevor
2: treat Williams, baby? That deep rising oh, is going to slam. No, <laughs> no. Uh, I was waiting for that reveal. I, I, <laughs> i'm thank you for doing okay thank you for doing this instead of me because i was already warned <laughs> by uh, uh by another not to do my 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 famous treatments, and so yeah, yeah I, I i'm glad that i'm for once i'm clean of
0: that yeah i'm sorry to take that from you sterling but what would, what would your award be
2: uh i guess the sterling anno award for uh obligatory cosmic horror reference
0: Oh, I like that.
1: Yeah, that, that could fit a few of our, our, our movies we've done so far.
2: And uh, so, this definitely has it all over, so.
1: Well, that's a great award, Sterling. Thank you for adding that in there. It's going to be a very busy Silver Ghosties this time around, Adam. We, this Creature Feature Series, I think for Revenge, we did eight films, and I believe for Space Opera, we did six. For this one, we are doing a full ten. Right. So we still have two more episodes to go, but... um. Sterling, thank you so much for being on the show uh, and yeah. bringing this awesome energy in this. I'm, I'm sorry to have tried to deflate it a little bit. Uh, overall, I did have a lot of fun with uh, Deep Rising, and it's, it's always nice to be on the podcast with. Adam, uh, I appreciate you... Having a good time with it, it makes the makes the show a lot better than it had, if it had been Sterling gushing over it than the two of us not liking it. So I was very happy <laughs> that you did like it. I'm but surprised to, you didn't like it, Trevor. I, I had to air out some grievances with the movie, but overall, you know, I enjoyed it. I'm, I'm not going to act like I hated the movie.
2: I think it's wonderful, you know. As a festival programmer myself, you know, it's not. I think unanimous agreements on anything are just they're they're way more boring than having one person gush while the others don't you know so i think this was the best fate it could have been.
1: yeah it usually ends up like that on this podcast i mean last week we had craig duffy from the cinematic life on to talk about the mist which him and i both like a lot but adam mm-hmm. was not a huge fan of the mist so yeah yeah like you said a little bit of dissent uh, always helps um speaking of festival programming uh sterling do you have anything that you'd like to plug
2: yeah uh horrible imaginings is uh, uh coming back full-fledged we are entering our actual festival season after a, a fantastic year of uh, campfire tales editions at the frida cinema and um yeah first off I, I just want to say that um in uh, direct continuity with each other if you want to come if you're in San Diego and you want to come out and see me and uh, Miguel Ro- Rodriguez uh, former guest on this podcast and our director um please come out to the north park book fair on july 17th we'll have a booth out we'll be um uh selling much merch and uh hopefully meeting some new friends uh who would like to travel up with us to our physical edition of horrible imaginings uh film festival later on this year um prior to getting there though we are launching a new event um it will be the horrible realities uh, showcase. So mm. um, normally we, of course, um, we, we are big in the realm of uh, narrative genre film being a fantastic and cathartic way to air out our personal anxieties. However, rarely do we branch out into documentary, into nonfiction. And um, it's just as as a valid way to do so while while educating in real time. And so uh, Thursday, August twelfth, um, in person and virtual throughout that 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 weekend, that being the thirteenth through fifteenth, we'll be having horrible realities um, in person at the Frida Cinema, and um, we would love to have you guys out and see some one some fantastic um, and 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 very uh, effective nonfiction films curated by us. To Come out to horrible imaginings. 2021 September 2nd through the 5th uh Labor Day weekend at the Frida Cinema. Uh awesome. we will we will be finally back with the real festival in person for 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 everyone. And of course we are going hybrid so there will be a virtual component uh following the 5th. So if you can't make it out in uh f- physically that weekend um the virtual will start the day after we close on Sunday the 5th. So um, know that you cannot miss out, but we would love to have you in person. Um, so, uh, keep a lookout for our programming, which we'll have updates very soon.
1: Uh, awesome. When I, as a filmmaker myself, Adam, uh, I had a movie that played at Horrible Imaginings before it was at the Frida when it was down, uh, at the, um, Museum of Photographic Arts in mm-hmm. San Diego. And uh, it, of all the festivals I've ever been to, it was, the, it was the most filmmaker-focused festival I'd ever been to. Miguel and Sterling really make the, the filmmakers feel like they belong there, uh, especially people who, like for myself, who just made short films. Like, the short filmmakers were, were treated the same way that people who had made these big old fancy features. So I've always been a huge fan of Horrible Imaginings Film Festival, and I'm really, really happy that they're at the Freedom now. Adam,
0: do you have any plugs? Trevor, I'd say you're a tall filmmaker. maker.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh. Uh, I, I can agree with that actually you're <laughs> you're pretty up there
1: factually that is correct i am a tall film <laughs> hey but hey but you are you are admitting i'm a filmmaker though by saying that
2: oh no you are
0: <laughs> um yeah my plugs um i'm check out my website where i post my films adam wait what is my website uh adam jc wagner yeah thank you trevor adam jc wagner.com um i'll be boothing as well Six Six semper tyrannis <laughs> <laughs> what <laughs>
2: the what now uh
0: back to you trevor
1: <laughs> all right <laughs> uh, follow me on Letterboxd at Captain Dills where I keep a, a running list of all the movies we've watched on this podcast and their rankings within their each genre personal at Trevor Dills on Instagram and Twitter and as always follow us at Ghost Party Picks on all their socials uh, please review and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and smash that follow button on Spotify. Adam, uh, we're also on Google Podcasts now, so if you're a Google Podcast listener, a you're probably listening to this on Google Podcasts right now. Hello to our Google Podcast family. Do you want to say anything to them, Adam?
0: Lots of love. God bless.
1: Yeah, there's about two or three of them. So keep 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 that army strong out there, y'all. Uh, thank you all for listening to Ghost Party Radio, Sterling. Thank you for being on the show, Adam. We have officially
0: r- r- deeped the rising.
1: Nope, risen the deep. All right, bye. Bye. <laughs> mm, that's a 10.